The life and death of Rachel Imenu is from the most heart-wrenching stories in Tyra. Her dreams to be Jacob's wife, to be the mother of Klal Yisrael, are largely displaced by the assumption of Leah, her sister, as the primary wife and mother, who is birthing the Shvatim in a way which Rachel cannot, and assumes the spotlight in a way which Rachel does not. And then we have her tragic death in our Parsha. She dies in painful childbirth and is buried forlorn and alone on the side of the path, alone from Yaakov, along with whom she will not be buried. So both in life and in death, she is forlorn. She sacrifices her relationship to her husband and her deepest dreams. A story of this intensity, which plucks at our heartstrings oh so, points to some deeper cosmic meaning. Something larger than life is going on here. So let's dig in. And let's begin with a statement of the Tikkun Zohar that we mentioned in last week's podcast. Tikkun Zohar explains that Rachel and Leah, more than simply people, more than simply individuals, are the embodiments of two different ways in which Klal Yisrael relates to Hashem and elicits bracha from him. Rachel represents when we are given bracha from a place of deservedness, we deserve bracha, we earned bracha. Lay, on the other hand, represents when we are undeserving. And yet Hashem gives us nonetheless because he's committed to us for meta-rational reasons. Lamalam and haseichel, above human understanding reasons in the depth of his commitment to us. And we explained last week how this Kabbalistic explanation of Rachel and Leah can be rooted, can be traced back to the story of each respective one in the text. That Rachel, who is the one who attracts Yaakov, the one who holds the good, so to speak, who carries merit in Yaakov's eyes, she represents when the Jewish people hold favor in Hashem's eyes, when we possess the beauty and the poise of a Rachel in a spiritual sense to be meritorious in the eyes of our divine suitor, we are given bracha because we find favor in his eyes, we deserve it. Lay, on the other hand, who was initially rejected by Yaakov, whose physical face and countenance is wanting, Vienne Leirakos, she represents when we feel wanting, when we do not exude beauty and grace, spiritual speaking, but if anything feel spiritual inferiority and stigma, much as Leah did on the, on, on the physical human plane. So seen this way, the story of each respective woman 
is the story of the Jewish people see mothers who possess both qualities. That you might say the two attributes which Chazal constantly speak of, Tzadik and Baltruva. Some Jewish people are righteous, but other, other Jews sin, mess up, but then come back. Tzadik and Baltruva are really Rachel and Leah. And as with every Torah true revelation, this reverberates and echoes through Jewish history. Because one finds again and again that Leah is the mother of the Bali Tshuva and Rachel, on the other hand, is the mother of the Tzadikim. For example, both of Rachel's children, Binyamin and Yosef, are the Tzadikim. Binyamin is the only one of the Shvatim who we are taught never sinned. And Yosef possesses the name Tzadik Righteous because he rebuffs, heroically and righteously rebuffs the seductions of Potiphar's wife. That, those are Rachel's children, Sadiqim. Leah's children, on the other hand, well, they have moral failings. Reuven has his moral failing in the Bilha story. Yehuda has his moral failings with Tamar. But both do tshuva, and both ultimately come back. Hashem cements a relationship with both of them, despite their failings. And the Yosef-Yehuda contrast is particularly stark, brought out by a slew of textual compare-contrasts in Parshas Vayigash, when the Torah presents the story of Yehuda's failing with Tamar, and then immediately proceeds to the story of Yosef's moral triumph against the seductions of Potiphar's wife, well, this contrast is a function of not only these individuals, Yehuda and Yosef, but each one's respective mother and what she represents. Rachel, Sidkus, merit in Hashem's eyes versus Leah. The Jewish people might be failing. The Jewish people might be wanting. Yehuda, her son, is wanting, but nonetheless comes back. And you have a similar phenomenon later in Jewish history. The two first kings of the Jewish people, Shaul, who's a descendant of Rachel via Binyamin, we are taught was a greater tzaddik than David, who came after him. David, who descends from Yehuda and ultimately Leah. That Shaul committed, says the Gemara, only one sin, and he was immediately punished and thereby forgiven. He is pure. David, on the other hand, committed multiple sins. And most famously, of course, the adultery with Basheva. But he was forgiven. Shaul, the descendant of Rachel, is a tzaddik. Yehuda, the descendant of Rachel, David, the descendant of, Rachel, of Leah, is the Baltruva. Tzaddik and Baltruva. So you might say Rachel is the mother of Midas Hadin, the judgment when the Jewish people need to hold virtue on their own. They are judged strictly and severely because they rise to the occasion of doing so. Lay, on the other hand, represents Rachem and mercy. Hashem accepts us despite our limitations.
this immediately expands our thread further. Rachel as Din and Leia as Rachman. Because we know that we have a similar pattern of these true attributes, Din and Rachman, judgment and mercy, in the creation of the world. When Chazal tell us it was originally Hashem's plans to create a world of Din, a world with strict justice. But then he saw things couldn't last that way. Mankind wouldn't rise to the scruples of Din. And Bemasa, in actuality, Hikdamidas Harachemim, he gave precedence to mercy. Well, this pattern, a plan of Din, Bemachshava Bemidas Hatin, but in actuality, Rachemim and mercy is exactly what is going on in the Rachaleya story. That in Yaakov's dreams, in Yaakov's Machshava, he's going to marry Rachel. What this symbolizes is in the realm of plan, in the realm of dreams, Rachel is what it's all about. Perfection is what it's all about. There's an aspiration for perfection. Not only physical perfection as embodied by the beautiful Rachel, but the spiritual perfection, the model of the tzaddik, which she and her descendants represent. But that is in the realm of Machshava, Yaakov's dream of who he's going to marry. In the realm of Masa, in the realm of actuality. When he wakes up in the morning, Vihine Leia, Leia is his wife, and Leia becomes the primary mother of the Jewish people, mothering most of the Shvatim. What that shows is in the realm of actuality, it's Leia's trait of mercy, of accepting a Jewish people who is wanting, just as Leia who was found, was found wanting in Yaakov's eyes, but Yaakov learns to love her. Well, so too, the Jewish people at large, in the realm of Masa, in the realm of actuality, it is Rachman with triumph. It is accepting an imperfect people with triumphs. Rachel, on the other hand, is only able to mother a few children, two children, which symbolizes that amongst the Jewish people, there will only be individuals who rise to the Rachel level. The, the Kabbalistic trade of Rachel, of Tzidkas, of Din, of perfection. As the Gemara says, there are very few individuals who are upright, who without any freebies, without any undeserved gifts from Hashem, can really earn their way to merit. In addition, now we can understand that the pain of Rachel the heart-wrenching pain of the Rachel story is not simply the pain of an individual, but it is the pain of the Rachel model not working. The fact that the dream for perfection, the dream for tzitkos, largely does not materialize. We all fall short from that dream. We all fall short from that machshava of Rachel, beyond simply the fantasy of Yaakov's love that he's going to marry beautiful Rachel, but on a national level, the fantasy, the dream that we are all going to be perfect spiritually, which doesn't materialize. Like Rachel, we have that fall from grace, which is painful and deeply painful. 
And just as Leah usurps the role of Rachel, well, our only way back after that painful fall is when the Leah model takes hold. Unconditional acceptance, Hashem's devotion to us. And this fall from grace of Rachel, which as we're explaining, is not simply the fall from grace of an individual, but is the story, almost the inevitable story, of the pain of perfection unrealized, spiritual dreams of tzidkas, which so often don't materialize. This too can see, be seen played out in Jewish history, in the stories of Rachel and Leah's descendants and how they relate to each other. Because when we return to the story of the first kings of the Jewish people, Shal, the descendant of Leah, and David, the descendant of, Shal, the descendant of Rachel, and David, the descendant of Leah, what we see is Shal, who is the original planned king, due to one moral failure, he is punished and he loses his kingdom painfully. And his fall from grace is the fall of Tzidkus, which doesn't materialize. Tzidkus, an imperfection in Tzidkus. And it is that same painful fall in the beginning of the kingship, just as occurs in the beginning of Yaakov's family life with Rachel. David, on the other hand, who makes mistakes, has moral failings, but survives through tshuva, survives through his mother, his ancestor Leah's quality, well, is such a point of contrast to the shawl and how shawl represents the pain of shawl, the agony of the shawl story, the dashed dreams. It's really that original Rachel pain of Sidkus perfection so often doesn't materialize. Shal had ever so small a tarnish, ever so small a flaw. And likewise in the end of days, Mashiach ben Yosef, the first Messiah will be a descendant of Rachel, and Mashiach ben David will be a descendant of Leah. Well, the dream the original, the initial, the first savior, Mashiach ben Yosef, he falls. He will be killed in battle. This is so clearly the original Rachel story playing out. Original dreams are dashed. There are imperfections. There are punishments. But ultimately, Mashiach ben David will triumph because at the end of the day, the descendants of Leah, despite Inevitable flaws in Averos are accepted in line with the Leia model of Hashem's unconditional commitment to the Jewish people, the Baal model. So here we have a rich, cohesive understanding how even the pain of Rachel, this heart-wrenching heartstring tugging pain of Rachel is an expression of something larger, something cosmic. 
in terms of what Leah Rachel represents, in terms of perfection, which so often doesn't materialize, the fall from grace, the fall from virtue. But the question is, is Rachel suffering in vain? And speaking on the larger scale, is all of our pain, Rachel ask pain, when the dreams of perfection do not materialize? Is that pain in vain, mourning the lost dream, the lost fantasy of perfection of spiritual virtue? Can't be. And the key is to understand how Rachel is the mother of Gullus. Rachel is the is the is the aim Hagalus when the Jewish people endure suffering and retribution and punishment for their shortcomings. And this retribution, this punishment, is not simply pain for pain's sake, but it is a pain from which we grow, a pain which brings not only atonement, but growth to the Jewish people. That's what the Gullus is all about. Hashem is not hurting us for hurt's sake, but purging us to grow, to overcome Averos and imperfections. This is what I suggest the Rachel story is really all about. Rachel representing Midas Hadin judgment when we suffer in life because our, the dreams of perfection are ever so slightly lacking. Just as, we, just as represented in the Rachel story, when this princess holding all the dreams, things do not pan out exactly. Let's develop a bit the idea of Rachel as the mother of Gallus, which ultimately means the mother of one we must endure pain in order to grow. And with this conclude our presentation. The first indications we have of Rachel as the mother of Gallus is we have both Chazal's explanation why she is buried on the side of the road that she will one day serve as a point of tefillah, a point of, a place of pr- her cavern, her grave will serve as a place of prayer to the Jewish people when they're on their way in exile. And moreover, we're taught actually quite explicitly in the Pesachim in Yirmiyah that it is Rachel who wails and cries on behalf of the Jewish people to merit Geula redemption from Gaulus. Kol Barama Nishma Rachel Mavakal Banaha, and it's Rachel who has promised, Veshavu Banam Likvulam, your children will return. She wails for us in Gaulus. Now, while Chazal de- develop one particular aspect of Rachel wailing for us, why does Rachel of all the Abbas Nimos, who's able to entreat Hashem on our behalf when we are in Gaulus. And Chazal, of course, talk about her merit, having given up the simanim, the signs, to Leah, 
so Leah's cover wouldn't be blown that night of the chasana of the original wedding. Chazal are as they do, developing one concrete aspect of Rachel's role wailing for the cause. I would suggest, however, all from a broader perspective, it is really Rachel's entire life which conditions her to be the figure of Gaulus, the mother of Gaulus. As we've developed tonight, it is Rachel who suffers throughout her life, in life and in death. She embodies the Gaulus in her own experience. And she embodies the ideal of Midas Hadin as we studied. So therefore she experiences the full severity and brunt of Midas Hadin, the story of Gaulus. And again, every Torah true revelation brings with it further expanse, the ability to trace further connections because it is Rachel's children who are the leaders in Gaulus. Yosef is the king, the leader of the Jewish people in Gaulus Mitzrayim, and it is Mardachai and Esther, descendants of Rachel via Binyamin, who are the leaders in Gaulus in the Purim story in the Gaulus Paras, the Persian exile. Now here we have something amazing. While in times of ghoul, in times of redemption, Rachel and her children are not the leaders. Rachel and the children, if anything, are out of the limelight. It is specifically in times of Gaulus where Rachel and her children are the leaders. Because Gaulus is a time when Hashem is acting towards us with din, with severity. It's not a time of the unconditional rachamim, which Leah represents. So in times of Gaulus, who do we turn to for leadership and inspiration? We turn to Rachel and his children, and her children, who have learned this ability to suffer, to suffer divine retribution for shortcomings, and learn how to grow from suffering in life, how to suffer in dignity, <coughs> which really means how to suffer as a growing person, to grow through suffering. In all the different ways we grow through suffering, holding on ever tighter from an Amuna perspective, finding reservoirs of faith one knows they didn't have. Tikan Hamidos, elevating one's personality, persona, traits as they are challenged. All the different aspects of how great people grow through suffering. This is the Rachel persona. This is what we must do over the course of our Gaulus. So here we have not only a cohesive tapestry of so many dimensions to the Rachelaya story, developed in a cohesive fashion, in an enduring fashion, in a relevant fashion. But we have the ability to personally relate to the painful, as we called it, heart-wrenching, heart-string-tugging story of Rachel's life and death. That in all of our own Goliaths, in all of our own pain, we feel some of that Rachel in us, and we have this shared kinship with her as the one who models for us, had experienced suffering, had experienced dashed dreams. And from her, we learned the coping techniques, suffering and dignity, 
growing from pain and suffering. Thank you very much. <laughs>